Most of us feel like we have potential, but we don't know how to tap into it. Inside, we feel like we should be doing something different, but we don't know what that is. Well, now it's time to awaken your energy and enlightenment. Find out who you really are and truly discover why you are more powerful than you think. By transforming the perspective of yourself, you will discover the power to recognize the incredible possibilities within you and in your life. Now, bringing you thought leaders from around the country and around the world, here's chiropractor and author, Dr. Fred DiDomenico. Hey, it's Dr. Fred DiDomenico with You Are More Powerful podcast, and I'm really excited. And the reason we do this is based on my book, You Are More Powerful Than You Think, that introduces the uh, emotionally and spiritual system, six-step system called HEAL that helps us really connect with our innate divine power, clear of our past, discover, live, and fulfill our soul purpose. So the reason we have this is to bring great leaders around the world and have them tell their story of how they found their purpose, how they're making an impact in the world. Tell their story that, hey, the people that are impacting and changing the world, man, they have their story of pain too. And then be able to get into the consciousness of inspiration that we can all be lifted, we can all celebrate this person's life and vision, and uh, we can all do it together because unity is God. Unity and love is God within us. So. I'm so excited to be with you, Jeff. Uh, You're a great visionary. You're doing amazing things. You're literally exposing the world to things that are happening in the world that most people don't know about. You're bringing enlightenment, and most importantly, you're a friend. So thank you for being here. So good to be here. Anytime. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's obviously, you're like the docu-series king, you bring exposure, massive worldwide exposure, millions of people on so many different topics. But before we get into what you're doing, kind of want to know the man behind the mission. Why don't you tell your story, how you grew up, how you got into this, and uh, let people know who you are. Well, I was born a poor black child in southern Mississippi. (laughs) Nice accent. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that line from the jerk? I'm I'm quoting. So so my dad was a, a Baptist deacon. My mom died when I was 11. And my dad um, remarried within months and uh, married a woman who was in the Church of Christ. And the Church of Christ is famous for, uh, uh, for many things, but you know, they're a fairly small denomination. And, um, and with a, at risk of offending anybody who's a member, you know, the Church of Christ believes they're the only ones who are going to heaven. And um, I remember asking my dad, when I was 11 years old, um, well, dad, you know, if, 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 you know, the church of Christ is the only ones going to heaven, what happened to mom? And he said, um, well, Jeff, let's just see what the Bible says. And, and basically, you know, with him interpreting it for me, the Bible said mom went to hell. And so it started a, um, a, a strange spiritual experience at a very, it started a number of, of, of different experiences at a very early age. And so, well, this uh, may be a dumb question, but when you heard that, 
I mean, were you challenged by that? Were you just sad? I mean, you're 11 years older. Was there something inside you that said it was different? How did you feel at that time? So because my dad remarried so quickly, I wasn't really allowed to grieve my mom. And some things happened there that um, I made some decisions as an 11-year-old that I was only able to unwind as a 61-year-old. Uh, I built a wall around emotions that survived um, intact for 50 years. Wow. But at, by the time I was 12 and 13, I had a collection of metaphysical books and books that you would never expect a 12-year-old or 13-year-old to read. And I came home when I was 13 one time, and, and I had a a, a a bookshelf that that was, you know, about astral projection and just wacky stuff. And I came home from school, and my dad had thrown all those books away um, after he became a Church of Christ preacher that and said, you know, I'm not going to have this demonic stuff in my house. And I, I never really understood until this last year um, – why in the world would a 12-year-old be reading books on this? But I was looking for, for my mother. I had one foot in this world and one foot in another. And so it started a strange uh, spiritual yearning that said there has to be more than this clearly defined. Um, you know, I, I always say any, any religion that has a God less loving than me is... Um, got a problem with its philosophy. Right. And so um, even at 11 years old, I knew that. Yeah, brilliance in that simplicity, isn't there? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So, so man, go ahead. So, so that's that kind of started a, a, a stunted spiritual journey in my life, and I'm, I'm specifically focusing on that, you know, from a business standpoint, I'm a high school dropout. My sister is a PhD and a regents professor in a medical school. Um, so my mother's death, uh, you know, it, I, I wouldn't say it derailed my life. It, it kind of put my life on the rail it was supposed to be on. So I was a door-to-door -door encyclopedia salesman when I was 18, and I was so ignorant, I thought that was a great job. I bought my first Cadillac as a door-to-door -door encyclopedia salesman. Well, apparently it was a great job. <laughs> For an 18-year-old who didn't know any better, it was okay. So, the, um, you know, so it was an interesting upbringing. I have uh, eight patents. I've raised over $130 million uh, in my business career. I've started and launched and failed in um, and sometimes succeeded in lots of entrepreneurial ventures but in when when i used to own a brokerage firm and there were three of us that worked together and one guy happened to be in town he now has an art gallery in, on 57th and 5th avenue in new york but he was a broker and my buddy who ended up becoming my pilot um said hey i you know he said i want to be a pilot and jim renner another stockbroker said i want to be a sculptor and they go, what do you want to be, Jeff? I said, I'm, I want to make movies. And now Red is the chief pilot for Spirit Airways. Uh, Jim Renner is in the National Gallery of Art and makes um, 
a fortune as a sculptor, and I've been shortlisted for an Academy Award making films. Wow. But Red was a high school dropout. Uh, Jim was a BYU graduate, um, but he knew he wasn't a stockbroker. He was a sculptor. Uh, I have a sculpture of his that I bought for $6,000 um, 15 years ago that now he has a size that's six inches larger that I saw sell at auction for 187000 of that same sculpture. And, and so you, you look at these three people, we knew we were not where we were supposed to be. It doesn't matter where you start. It was, um, that, you know, this gem said, you know, you look at me and you see a stockbroker inside here is a sculptor. Right. So, there, you know, there's so many people. I talk to people all the time. And when I tell them, you know, I help people find their sole purpose. And there's so many that say, I don't know what my purpose is. But when you were in that brokerage business and, you know, these three guys said, hey, I'm a sculptor. Um, you know, you want to make movies. The other guy wants to be a pilot. What's that feel like? inside when you're doing something that you know you're you're in what's inside you needs to come out and it's not it's not what's in your world right now do you remember that point yeah and, and it's uncomfortable but the reality is we were exactly where we were supposed to be the it, people are supposed to uh, find their purpose but sometimes you have to become aware of it and you have to wait on your purpose and, and then you have to qualify for your purpose. Um, it, it's, you know, where my friend read, who said, I want to be a pilot, then that, you know, that, that led into years of, of schooling, of, of type ratings, of all the things he had to do. And, you know, like I said, now he's chief pilot for Spirit Airways, but they, you know, he didn't go, my purpose is to be a pilot and then get hired as chief pilot. Right. And so then it becomes an outline of doing the work and you don't have to uh, drive yourself into bankruptcy or, or lose your family in order to fulfill your purpose. You can do this sequentially and say, okay, I'm moving toward my purpose. And right now I'm moving toward my purpose by being a door to door encyclopedia salesman. And, and so sometimes it, it takes some patience to be able to qualify to manifest what it is you want to do in this world. And so what was it that, because you feel like you want to be a movie maker, you know, I feel that. What was that impetus that finally said, I'm making a change? And then, and then of course, the journey along that, that that led you to where you are today. So, you know, this is... Um, and, and, and I, I, I beat on this a little bit, but, you know, in the, in the Bible, there's a phrase, I would that you would prosper even as your soul does prosper. And so the, the, the personal growth aspect of this is, is sometimes you have to grow into the, per, the person that can be what you want to do in the world. And, and so, um, it, 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 it's it's like looking at yourself like the Michelangelo's you know, sculpture of David, where he said he chipped away everything that wasn't David out of that right. block of stone. And so 
you know, it may take 20 years of chipping away. You know, it, it, it's, it, it's funny, I run into a lot of millennials, people that are 22 that are teaching, you know, how to be successful life courses. And I, I look at them and it's not that I, I don't listen to the, what they say, but I'm like, 22, wow. You know, maybe get some, you know, laps around the track before you start, you know, teaching how to run the track. Um, and, and so, you know, once you clarify what's your purpose, it doesn't mean that you need to start um, fulfilling your purpose on Tuesday. It means organizing your life in such a way that you are, you become the kind of person that can fulfill this, this thing that only you can do. Well, and that is absolute, see, that is wisdom. You know, right there is pure wisdom of going through human life, right? A spiritual being is human being because, you know, when you have a vision, man, patience, patience can be the hardest thing. Oh, it's, 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 it's gruesome. <laughs> I, I remember being 20 years old in Amarillo, Texas, and I would see these houses that the rich people lived in, and I wanted to go knock on the door and go, okay, how did you get this? Just tell me and I'll do it. You know, it's what... And it's you know, and and you do get some help along the way like that, but you know it's easy for somebody to look at you, and I think I I think I want to be red. It's like okay, well, um, you might be able to capture his knowledge if you spend a, a really concentrated five to seven years. If it's not concentrated, you need ten to twenty years, right. and so. The, the path is to constantly be working on never-ending self-improvement, never-ending effort to be the person that qualifies to, to fulfill your mission. Yeah, and there's no question, and, and I'd like to hear uh, some of your stories. I'm sure everybody would be interested. But, you know, like say, you said it, it's becoming, right? It's always growing, and, the, and that growth is in consciousness, you know, it's like you're, if you get stuck, it's your consciousness that has to grow, right? And then the challenges that are all outside are relating to that level of consciousness. And we look for the, we look for this, the problem and the solution by nature outside of ourselves. It, it's, you know, it, it's like, okay, what is causing this feeling in me? What, you know, who did what to me that is causing me to feel this way? And then, Sooner or later, you discover that the, the, the answer to your problems and your success is inside, not outside. Exactly. So why don't you share a bit of your story when you started to get into filmmaking and, and how you evolved to where you are today? Well, because I knew how to raise money, if you know how to raise money, you can be whatever you want to be. I mean, like if you and I got excited about a software idea and um, I know how to raise money for it and it needs 10 million and I can go find us 10 million, then suddenly we're software company owners. And so I didn't go to film school. Um, I remember when I told Red and Jim that I wanted to be a filmmaker, they said, how do you make movies? And I'm like, I don't know, but I see movies, see if somebody knows. And that's literally where I started. And but you know the key with the skill set that I developed that allowed me to do that is I knew how to get money, and so 
the, you know, from, from there, um, uh, you know, I was able to, to get in the business that I wanted to be in, but, but then that evolved beyond that where the tagline for my company is movies that make movements. And I, I wanted a deeper meaning behind the things that I did. Um, I, I took a Kabbalah course 25 years ago, and this is when Saddam Hussein was still in power in Iraq. And um, in the course, it said, do you think that if Saddam Hussein was toppled, Iraq would be a peaceful country? And the, the obvious answer, I mean, again, this is 25 years ago, the obvious answer was no. So we end up with the leaders that we deserve, they reflect the culture. And so for me, it's not about fighting against Hillary or Trump. It is to make an impact on the culture that chooses these leaders. And I felt like film was the best way uh, to do that, to, to get people information in a gentle way, in a, a, the kindest way I know that allows them to experience uh, a change of thought. Well, there's no question. I mean, you've addressed some very controversial topics. And um, so um, if you could just name a couple of them in, in your experience, because I know there's there's other things that happen, you know, like vaccination, the one you did on vaccination. And, you know, there's there's it's such a heated topic politically and, and emotionally that there's got to be some. Yeah, and, and that one, we, we totally lost the battle in the court of public opinion. Um, now, I, I don't even speak about the subject. I've, um, I've, I've silenced myself. Uh, we did a great job. We put a lot of information out there. And now, like Google, I can't even load that series on YouTube. It's blocked. Uh, Facebook, we were spending 100000 a month on Facebook then Facebook won't take an ad um, on anything related to that topic. Google won't take an ad. Um, they have effectively muted uh, the, the other side of that argument. And so um, my partner, Patrick Gentempo, was like, we need to fight harder. And I'm like, no, I'm out. I'm not fighting this fight anymore. And I'm moving my efforts to give people the rights to choose about vaccines into instead of the court of opinion, court of public opinion into the court itself. And so what I do is donate money to um, Bobby Kennedy Jr. and his court battles. And I, I remain steadfast that people have a right to make this decision and to have informed consent. And in court, you have the right to subpoena people. You have the right to perjury if they lie. And here's a place that the facts will eventually come out. Um, and so that, but that's a perfect example where, you know, we, I thought, put up a valiant effort and it was in, it didn't, um, it, it, it didn't carry the day. And, you know, we're fighting a multi-billion dollar um, industry that has no risk for the participants, that no liability worries. 
and they um, they decimated um, the people. Uh, uh, Joe Mercola, his his search traffic went down after Google changed their algorithm in June to block him and anyone like him. His search traffic went down ninety nine point nine percent. Oh my god! And you know so. You know, this is one you, you 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 pick your battles, and when you pick those battles, sometimes you have to switch battlefields. But the you know that's my goal was always to create a tool for the people in that that battle that I could leave behind that they could take and, and utilize uh, to help accomplish good. But you know, we did um, we did a great series on GMOs that at the time we did it, we looked like we were a little bit of Luddites. You know, say, like, how can you, uh, you know, the world is going to starve if we don't do this. And now Monsanto has lost three cases in a row in court with hundreds lined up behind them. And the court documents uh, have come out that, yes, Monsanto was spying on people. They were hiring private detectives. They were doing everything they could do to not get the truth out. And you know it, it, the the whole story of GMOs and Roundup and uh, glyphosate is being validated on a daily basis. We, uh, um, you know, some of the things we did a series on money because our education system was designed in the early 1900s to create good factory workers. You know, I mean, if you look at you, you went all the way through, you know, through school, through college, through uh, chiropractic school, and you never had anybody give you any training on, oh, by the way, here's how you handle your money. And, and so we have, you know, financial illiteracy running rampant in the United States. So we went out and interviewed the world's best experts on money. Uh, my own uh, household manager, uh, after sitting in on one interview, uh, after the interview, bought two, uh, we live in Utah, and she bought two rental properties that are cash flow positive in North Carolina. And this was, you know, my household manager who happened to be in the room when we were interviewing one of our real estate experts. Um, I um, decided to take a tiny stab into Bitcoin after interviewing some of our Bitcoin investors or, or experts. And I bought Bitcoin at 3000 and I think today it's at 10,000. Um, nice. you know, I literally changed my entire financial life from doing this, you know, this series that, that we just did. Um, I was not going to do another health series and and now we're doing one called Cancer Revealed just because, you know, some events over – Patrick's wanted to do it for two years, and I've said no because I have a child who died of cancer, and it's just too close to home. Um, but a number of my friends who uh, have, I've been filming, and, and again, I'm doing a, you know, a, a documentary that I've got Amy Redford, Robert Redford's daughter, directing, and – a friend of that about a, a friend of mine. Her son has cancer. We're filming this process, and I had another friend who's probably the most powerful voice in documentary film. Says, "Why are you doing this film?" And I had to say, "I don't know." 
I literally didn't know why I was doing it until we finally decided to do Cancer Revealed. And this is, um, this was me being obedient to my purpose, even when I couldn't find a financial reason for doing that. Yeah, that's, that's faith. It's moving forward when you know what you're supposed to be doing and somebody goes, why are you doing this? And it's okay to say, I don't know. But inside me, I knew I was being obedient. Right. And I think that's probably, that's probably the most powerful inspiration right there. Right. I don't think there's anything more powerful than that. Following your, following your soul. If you, if you get the knock and you don't answer, um, usually pain follows. I, I've learned that, you know, when, when the universe gives you an assignment, you, you know, you can take it now or you, you can be like Jonah in the belly of the whale, but it, it's just best to go to Nineveh to stay on that metaphor. Yeah. We've all, we've all spent time in the belly. That's for sure. And usually it'd be so nice if life was learning about learning from pleasure, wouldn't it? That'd be so oh, man. I'd be the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the truth. You know, you've in, in just listening to the things that you're doing, I mean, cancer revealed, I mean, you're taking on again, multi-billion dollar industry that really runs I mean, they do more than run healthcare, you know, they're, it's almost like they're running the world and you, and you take on these projects and not that they're enemies. You're, you're just, uh, really revealing. That's what it is, right? All these revealed films is, is the name of your company. And, um, you know, the inspiration that drives you just to be able to face that because you're putting yourself out front and totally vulnerable. Yeah, and, and I don't, like, I'm not against things. It's just not my mentality. I'm for things. Right. And, and so um, I, I have a lot of friends that we interview that are real activists, and they, they literally hate Monsanto, or they hate, um, and this is what drives them. And, you know, I thank God for them because they give me, you know, almost a safe place to reside that it, because they're taking the real front lines, but mine doesn't run from negativity. Um, mine runs from wanting people to have choices, to have options, to have the truth. Right. And, and then it, you know, if, if they will look at our stuff and say, those guys are crazy, then God bless them. It's none of my business. It, it's, what, what I hate is when people are denied options to make good choices and, and whatever the choice that they feel is right for them. So it's, you know, like taking on, like I'm accidentally taking on the cancer industry, but that's not my, my purpose. My, my purpose is to let people know all of the options that they have and, and then they can make, an informed choice. Well, and knowing you a little bit, that's exactly the answer I was looking for because, and then I knew would come out of you. And the difference is, you know, like you say, you have these activists and they hate this, and they hate that. And, you know, you can't find heaven by resisting hell. And so really what you're doing it is out of love. It's exactly where it comes from. And this has been um, my last spiritual journey is remembering who I am 
And um, my a therapist that I work with said, oh, Jeff, nothing is easier than remembering who you really are. And who I am and who you are is love. And if you see me acting in any way that is not that, I'm acting out of my true, um, away from my true character. Well, and we haven't spent a ton of time together, but we spent some time together, and that is exactly who you are. And uh, just being around people that know you, we have mutual friends. I mean, everybody loves you because that's, you really do emanate that and you pour that into your purpose. Thank you for saying that. I hope that I hope that that's always true. Yeah, I think that's a powerful message, and, and you definitely you definitely represent that. You know, and the challenge is um, hate can be inspiration. It can give you energy, but to carry that energy in you can also be your nemesis and create disease. Right? That so constant resistance. One of, one of my favorite activists um, who is a leader and on all of the film series about cancer um, has now been diagnosed with cancer. Right. And, and the, you know, the price that you pay um, is usually in your body. Uh, and I'm assuming it's in your soul and in your spirit. And fortunately, it's just not my impulse. It's not the, um, um, it, it's just not my assignment to deal with that. Well, it's not who you are. No. It's not, that's not it's your purpose, that's not what you're created to be. And I, I think again, uh, just to reemphasize what a powerful message that is and, and uh, how you fulfill that and represent yourself, how you represent yourself to the universe and to God every day is through love, because I think that's the highest manifesting power, which would probably attribute to your success. Although it's been a long journey, you know, you can only end up in great places when you come from that emotion and perspective. But it's true for everyone that's watching, for every person that will ever hear these words and every person that won't is that at our core, when we came to this earth, we came from love and we, when we leave this earth, we return to love and in the middle on the, you know, this purpose, this earth, we're met with a negativity that says, you're not loved, you're not loved and you're all alone. And it's just a false message the reality is, you know, we are love and we're not alone and you can connect to that source anytime you want. And to each other. And to each other. So I'm really curious, since you mentioned in the beginning, you said you're 11, you didn't really, you know, that message of your mom didn't resonate and for the next 50 years. So when you were 61, what was your big revelation? So this may be the outside of the scope of what you want to talk about, but it's the truth. Um, the, on April 29th of this year, um, I went and did an MDMA journey, um, that I had avoided like the plague for eight months and a friend talked me into doing it. And, um, for anybody 
watching it, this is not legal. It will be legal in 2021. So for the purpose of this conversation, I'm making all this up. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> the, 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 this is this is now fiction. But in this fiction story, um, I went and and I the way this group works is you take a 125 milligram dose. The drug usually kicks in in 45 minutes, and 15 minutes later they ask you if you want the second dose um, of 75 milligrams, and everybody, thousands of people, says yes say yes and so i took the first dose and i felt nothing but anxiety i felt nothing but but um you know it was awful I, you know i waited an hour nothing happened uh she said you want the second dose i'm like hell no i wish i hadn't taken the first dose and it and i started feeling anxiety very early on and i told her listen and she said, well, you know, the drug hadn't had time to kick in yet. I think you brought that in with you. And that morning I'd, I'd gotten up and to shave this part of my mustache, I set my razor at three and a half. For some reason that day I set it at one and buzzed off half of my mustache. Then literally I put on my shirt inside out. I was scared like a little rabbit. And so hour and a half goes by nothing. Hour and 45 minutes, 45 minutes, nothing. Two hours, nothing. But anxiety and boredom. I'm laying back with a blindfold on, music's playing, two hours of nothing. And then at two hours and nine minutes, I was suddenly in the safest place that I was ever in. And the person who's with you doesn't say anything. You say things out loud if you want to, and they write them down. And the first thing I said was the sadness of a little boy. And then I said, sadness so strong, it would destroy the world. The last thing I said in this, in my journal now, seven page, pages later of things that I said, was sadness so strong, it could uproot trees and turn over cars. It was a tornado of sadness, and my dad was happy. And what had happened at 11 years old, I had built a wall against feelings that survived even a chip for 50 years. And that experience allowed me to look at it and to comfortably feel it and to dismantle that wall that in all the therapy through all my life, you know, I would do writing as a therapist would say, well, write about your mom. What I knew I had some issue with my mom, but I never made even a chip in that wall. And for that experience, um, it allowed me to, to dismantle that wall against feelings and realize that uh, feelings are not going to destroy the world. Um, that's an 11 year old thought that these feelings are so powerful, they'll destroy the world. So it was one of the, no, it's not one of, it was the most profound experience of my adult life. Wow, that's amazing. So what has it been like since then and how long ago was that? So that was on April 29th of this year. I since went back and did a second journey. And um, I think I probably have three to five of these to do. And again, I'm making this up for, for, for the, the, uh, exactly. 
the, uh, but, you know, to be able to reintegrate um, and to understand that I don't have to be frightened of feelings that people would call bad, that, that, you know, this was, and, and I, I literally went and imagined sitting with my 11 year old self in the limousine as we went to my mom's gravesite. And I held him and thanked him for taking care of me for all these years. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that finally now, 50 years later, I'm able to process what was just not available for me to process as an 11 year old. Wow. That is an amazing story. And you know, it's, you know, of course the hypothetical vehicle is really, doesn't really matter. But the journey to release, forgive, come alongside your greatest fear and to be able to come alongside it and have gratitude for it and to be able to release the energy is truly another testament of your, of your consciousness. Yeah, this was, um, and, and I also have a therapist that I work with on a weekly basis. And so then, you know, we followed up that she was not a part of this, you know, this journey, but then all the learnings that I took from that, I'm making sure that I integrate, um, and, and, you know, amazing, um, that, you know, it would have been great for me to, to learn this at 40, but this is what it took for me. So maybe I'm a slow learner. So how do you think, have you noticed any way that going through that process and letting go that has affected your, how you feel about your purpose and things you're going to, obviously who you are, it's probably been dramatic. Yeah, this is, you know, this is a continuing evolution that, um, you know, where one of the things that I wrote down was everybody I love dies. And that was a belief that I, I had as a child. And that's affected, you know, all of my relationships. Uh, and it, it turns out, I thought about it, everybody I don't love dies as well. So it's, right. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> but, you know, as an 11-year-old kid, you find yourself at cause for everything. And so this, uh, this just really helped me uh, to, again, you know, on the purpose on one side, but, you know, the, the Gandhi quote of be the change you want to see in the world, uh, you know, if you really want to make great change, it's, you know, it starts with great change inside. Yes. Well, that is, that is so amazing and such a great story. And it is a conscious evolution, right? Because uh, every spiritual being seeks consciousness of ourself and hopefully we have the desire to do that and hopefully to achieve that in this lifetime, we may or may not, you know, that, that would just be attaining pure consciousness yeah. like Christ. Right. So, so, Hey, we just do our best. So, um, so what's your vision for the future as you see, I mean, you just went through this dramatic growth and I'm sure that will continue. That will just open more doors for even more dramatic growth. What's your vision for the future, for your life, for yourself? For your... So for me, I, I just work on staying in flow. And I know I'm in flow when I'm meeting the right people effortlessly, 
when things are coming into my life and when I have something, um, you know, like I did not want to do cancer revealed. I've been resisting it for two years and the time is right. There's people that, who need this, that in events of you know, people that I love and care about are suddenly affected by this, that um, it, it became so clear. And so I, I think my greatest joy is in not having a vision that I'm imposing on the world, um, but it is to being open to what I'm supposed to do and then doing it with wholehearted alacrity. Uh, it is um, bringing all of my experience and contacts and relationships to bear only when I know that I'm doing something I'm called to do. And it pretty much doesn't matter what. Well, once again, there's, there's truly a higher consciousness because your vision of the future is to be present now. Yeah, man, so well said. I wish I could have thought it through that. <laughs> Presence, but, man, uh, because the, there is no future. We just have now, right? <laughs> and I have lived my whole life in the future, and I've spent some of the most frustrating years trying to impose my will on the future, and I'm literally going the other way and finding that I'm succeeding more than I could have ever imagined by trying less, by, by listening more, and, and, and doing what I'm supposed to do. Isn't that amazing? You know, uh, you know God gave us two ears and one mouth. You know, we, we hear that one our whole life, right? But listening with your heart, though, right? It's that 18-inch journey. It's listening with your heart and your spirit. And when it's right, you know it. Yeah. Well, you know, again, it, it's brilliance and consciousness and, uh, you know, presence is all we have. So we make this, we make this moment great. You've made these moments great. I truly appreciate, um, your brilliance, really true, true brilliance. And, you know, we're all brilliant in our own way, yet the way you speak from your heart and your consciousness, I know, was uh, through through a lot of experience, right? So we try and push the boulder uphill, man, and then we just get tired. <laughs> exactly right, because yeah, we, you know, it, you know, I can I can tell you failure story. Matter of fact, some friends and I are going to make a, a a film on failure, where I've got some fabulously successful friends, and we were talking about who had the biggest you know, business collapse, business, and, and we decided we just want to film this because we want people to know the truth that, hey, you look at some of these guys that are, you know, multi, multi or centi-millionaires, and everybody thinks, man, it must be great to you, and, and they don't know. This is the journey. This is what we're all going through. And all of our experiences that we're so grateful for now uh, were riddled with pain, um, oh yeah, it, 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 the journey is the thing. Yes, it is. You know, journey life is a process, right? And that's the enjoyment is the journey. Yeah. And doing it with presence is amazing. So, any any final words that you'd like to throw in there, uh, just to kind of seed in the minds of people, in the hearts of people. The I, I only have wisdom in context. I don't have you know. It's funny. I'm writing a book right now, and I've hired a company that's helped me write it, but I'm, I'm cringing as I do it 
the things I believed 25 years ago, I no longer believe. It's rough when you start writing down your thoughts. Uh, so all, all I can say is take everything I, I say with a grain of salt, because if I live another 25 years, I'll probably change my mind by then. <laughs> I, I, I do know that, that, that this is, a, a, for me, a joyful time, and I, I appreciate you sharing it with me. Well, yeah. And, you know, I really appreciate you taking your time. And there's a quote that, that uh, we teach is we think it's actually comes from A Course of Miracles to expand on what you said. We think we're here to change the world and we're really here to change our mind. And that is so great. <laughs> As a matter of fact, let's make that my closing thought. That's <laughs> yeah, you, know, you can have that one from A Course in Miracles. <laughs> hey, well, thank you so much. Uh, I feel like I've grown just by talking to you, and I know the people that are listening to this. There's so many gems. I would listen to this podcast at least three times so you can pick up not just the words, but the meaning behind the words. And then we can all be different because you shared with us. So thank you so much. Hey, thank you. All right, peace. You're listening to the You Are More Powerful podcast brought to you by youaremorepowerful.com and the book, You Are More Powerful Than You Think by Dr. Fred DiDomenico. Join us again next time for more discoveries right here on the You Are More Powerful podcast. 